0: Dynamic Blessings. Welcome to another episode of How You Can Too with your host, your boy, Alvy Daniel Thompson Jr. Hope everything is well in your world. It's April. Super excited about this month. This is the month your boy is actually getting married. The marriage will happen on April 30th, which is actually the birthday of my late grandfather, Sandy Warwick. And I couldn't think of a better way to honor him and expand my family and my new chapter than to get married to my wonderful fiance, Alejandra, on that day. So super hyped about that. And today we have an amazing episode with my buddy, Gareth Grundlin. Gareth is a health practitioner really focused on helping people get healthy and find balance in life, which I resonate with deeply with my work and I think is so important. He is the founder of Healthy Human and he's actually based in Saudi Arabia. It was amazing to have a conversation with him today all about finding balance in our health and understanding that being healthy is being balanced, which we talk deeply in this episode. and We also talk about his spiritual journey and how he's adopt being Muslim in his life and how. It has been such a profound 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 journey for him and there's so much that we can take away if you enjoy this episode please 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 share with your family friends and loved ones it would mean the world to me if you leave a five star rating and review of the show i honor you i appreciate you and as always you can too enjoy the show dynamic blessings ladies and gentlemen i have an amazing guest in store for you today I am joined by Gareth Grundling. Gareth is a health practitioner, and he is helping people get healthy and find balance in life, and he's actually coming to us all the way from Saudi Arabia. Gareth, how are you feeling today, my brother?
1: I'm very good. Thank you, LV.
0: How are you, brother? Man, I'm feeling really good. It's a beautiful day out here in South Florida. The sun is shining. The birds are chirping, and we're here together to provide tips, strategies, inspiration, life experience to help the people be healthier and find balance Mm -hmm. in their life. Mm -hmm. And something that I do on pretty much every episode is I love to understand the why Mm. behind an individual doing the work that they do in life, especially when it comes around health, well-being, and simply being the best version of ourselves. So for you, Gareth, what's like your origin story? Like what got you into the work of being a health practitioner?
1: Elvi, I honestly, there's a couple of why's. So I feel like that's a big contributor to me being so invested in this industry. Um, The first one, if I start simply with me, I at a young age actually had, I was not a very healthy kid. I had a lot of asthma. I went through a lot of asthma attacks. I was in the emergency room pretty often. So much so to the extent that my father and we were not really affluent per se, but my father ended up buying one of these machines, which helps you breathe and gives you oxygen. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, like you see people on life support using that sort of stuff. And we had that in the house, you know, almost on a on a weekly basis, maybe two, three times a week. I was on that. For a fair period of time, there was a period where doctors were saying to my father, listen, he's going to need to take steroids if he doesn't start improving. Uh, So having gone through that, that was definitely, I wouldn't say that was an easy introduction to it all. Um, And life as it went on, I I think of my mom in so many good ways. And I'll tell you this much, the most important person to me in the world after myself is my mother right and then it's my niece but my mother at a young age she i never thought that she was overweight or she had a health problem but she came up with this idea and she wanted to lose a certain amount of weight and at that time i think it was called weight watchers i'm not mm-hmm. sure if that's a universal program oh but yeah my got mom that over here yeah <laughs> weight watchers so my mom enrolled in that and there was a, a center close to the house that she went in every week And over the course of eight to 10 weeks or so, she had lost, I think it was 10 to 12 kgs. And I remember, honestly, I remember that journey as such a positive piece of my life in that period of time, seeing my mom very happy. The entire family was encouraging her towards that goal. And ever since that day, my mom has always been very health conscious and that's had a big influence, huge influence on me, Mm -hmm. very thankfully. So my aunt, my mom's sister, has she's also been very health conscious her whole life and she actually owns a health store. So there's a couple supplements and vitamins. So from a young age, I was introduced to, okay, you need to be on a multivitamin, okay, you need to be on omega threes, you need to kind of supplement where you're not getting enough in your actual diet, dietary intake. So that was really the introduction, In some ways the asthma wasn't good and then My mom, being an excellent example, was very helpful. My father always encouraged me to be in sports, a lot of swimming, a lot of football. And that helped me build my lung capacity far beyond what it was during those asthma periods. Mm. Uh, And so life kind of trotted on from there. It wasn't always easy without going too in depth about it, but there was conflict. There was uh, abuse in and around the environment that I grew up in. Mm. And to a certain extent, it just became, it was natural, right? Mm. In where I grew up in South Africa, unfortunately so, and I'm not proud to say it, but you don't hear about a killing unless it's like 15 people got killed, right? If just one person got killed on the street, it barely, barely, barely makes the news, right? Mm. I'm, I'm not even trying to exaggerate, you know, the environment we grew up in. To this day, every single day, there's a break in of some sorts. There's a hijacking of some sorts. There's a mugging of some sorts. Mm. So safety was always an issue. And I think that did affect me whether I knew it or not at that time. Right. You're in that survival fight or flight state. Right. And so really, my my parents always encouraged me to do my best. And I, I think I excelled more on the sporting fronts, which I was always happy in. I was never a bad academic. But my sister, she took she took all the academic accolades. (laughs) Um, But then LV, as I got to 18, I wanted to leave the house and the environment that I was in as soon as possible, so I shipped off to Cape Town. Mm -hmm. And at that time, that was primarily to pursue sporting endeavours at at the time. Baseball. Many people don't know if we play baseball in South Africa, but that was that at the time as well as continuing my studies just in marketing management, you know, my father always said to me, you need to have something to your name, right. And so I continued with all of that. But down in Cape Town is where I actually got a lot more sick. And I was I remember one year, I think I was on antibiotics four or five times in the year. Oh, right. Wow. And the doctors they were kind of just looking at me seeing the symptoms. And they were like, Okay, well, he has augmenting or whatever it was. Unfortunately, until one day, I was with the family doctor back home. And really, I was not well at all. I went to him and I said, Listen, just give me the antibiotics, and I'll be fine. Knowing from past experience, you know, within seven days to 10 days, I'll be fine, things are going to be kind of back to normal. And then two months later, I get sick again. So I eventually landed up in a free consultation in a homeopath's office, right? Mm -hmm. And I remember she looked at everything. She assessed me in ways that doctors had never assessed me before. And she concluded on a small piece of paper. She said either you have Epstein-Barr or you have streptococcus, right? I think it's Epstein-Barr. So start with one, two, three, four and five. If you're not better within six to 10 weeks, then go on to these next bits and pieces. And basically what she prescribed for me was more probiotics, more salads, more live raw foods, avoiding all the sugar and the junk and getting more sleep. Mm-hmm. Right. That's what all she had lifestyle prescribed. Based, yep. all very simple. I mean, it didn't it didn't cost me huge amounts of money. It was simply making the effort. And quite frankly, I was in a time and place where I was so frequently sick that there wasn't any other option. I was just like, I received this little piece of paper. And I was like, Okay, we'll go buy some kombucha. Right? Okay, Mm -hmm. let's let's not sleep at 2am. Let's try sleep at Mm 11pm. Right? So started implementing all of this and LV. I'm not joking, barring an operation that I had three years ago, I don't think I've been sick since that day. And I've not needed antibiotics since that day. Mm -hmm. Um, And here and now, I come across people with similar issues and oftentimes I find myself very passionate towards helping them improve, really emphasizing you don't need something in a bottle, right? Yes, that can help. But what you really need is to sleep eight hours. What you really need is to eat whole foods organic where possible. You really need to stay hydrated, right? And when people start doing that, you know, that whatever their goals are, to be stronger, to shed weight, to get healthier, to fix that injury. These things just start to take care of themselves. 100%. Right. And 100%. so that was really how I would say that seeing that homeopath was it was a huge push towards me being very much invested in health and fitness. Yep. And I initially started actually in CrossFit in a little box, learning from some great coaches, having some great experience. And I loved it. I, I wouldn't change it for the world, but as time went on and I started working privately in person with people, I came to realize that I needed to give more than CrossFit, right? I mm. felt like people were coming to me with a whole lot of trouble and I didn't have all the tools to fix it. Right. And it just so happened, man, I, I've always been listening to podcasts. It's, just, it's such a pleasure to be on a podcast like yours right now. but. I was listening to Bob Shrugged one day driving along. And there I heard I refer to him as Uncle Paul, Paul check there. I heard him just, man, you could feel how passionate he was, right? And he was he was saying, you need to sleep, you need to eat, you need to drink, you need to this. You need." And I was like, Yeah, this guy, this guy, he's on it. Uh Right. So I'm not joking. I got in the door and. I kind of looked at the links, found the Czech Institute and saw that they had this Czech Academy. I'd listened to a few more episodes and then I heard him speaking about the Czech Academy and I was like, yeah, this is it. This is where I want to be. This is what I feel. My soul was telling me this is what's going to help you propel to the next level. And this is what's going to help you help others to find Mm -hmm. health." And At the time, I could not get straight into the Institute because they'd already stopped the calendar year, but I knew with absolute certainty, okay, make sure you have the money put aside so you're ready to pay in full the day that you're allowed to get in. And I started reading how to eat, move and be healthy. Yeah. Right. And I, I mean, from the age of, let's say, 11 years old, I've been watching health. I've been reading men's health. I've been on this path. Right. You know, that was the time that I started learning from my mother and my aunt just to be more health conscious. But I read How to Eat, Move and Be Healthy, which is literally the prerequisite to HLC one. Yeah, And I was blown away. I was like, whoa, man, I, I'm telling you to this day, I still have that copy. And it's full of highlights. It's full of notes. It's got dog uh-huh. ears, notes in the front, notes in the back, <laughs> everything, you know, and over the next eight months or so, until the Czech Academy started, I was basically just following the how to eat, Moon be healthy. And obviously, in that book, they have the questionnaires, right. right? So I knew, OK, I was a polar type in my dietary intake. So I started eating according to that with with the correct ratios. And then I, I followed, as it says, start from left to right and improve you know the major parts just start to make those improvements and i think i don't remember the number when i started but i was close to red in total oh wow. right? Yeah, and that is that is the perspective well, that was the position of a strength trainer right. who at least on the exterior looks like a strong person mm-hmm. but i can tell you right now interiorly man i was dealing with chronic pain yeah. right when i started to get the gluten out of my system, when I started to get that lactose out of my system, when I started to get the simple sugars out of my system, when I started to realize, like, hey, look at, look at the label, right, and then see what's on other ingredients. When I started to get deeper into that, which really was just, just by how to eat and be healthy alone, that made all the difference. So when I already started in the Czech Academy, I felt like a new person, I didn't have all of this chronic pain. I you know, when you have that physical pain, it also translates to mental pain. Absolutely. And since the Czech Institute, it's just been going from strength to strength. Now, in the third year, approaching IMS3, I can say that I feel more balanced in my life than I've ever felt, Mm. and I feel less physical, mental, emotional pain and Mm. spiritual pain in my life than I've ever felt. And that's not to say that it's all sunshine and rainbows. We have bad days, you know, just. Just a week ago, I was feeling a little down, a little lonely, but that's why I have that's why we surround ourselves with with great people. Right. 100%. And I'm very thankful for the people and the support system that I have around me. And I, I also I make a conscious endeavor to always be a positive part of anyone else's support system. Mm, um, I love that. And so here we are. We've been in Saudi Arabia Arabia for six years. And, you know, some people, they ask me, like, when are you leaving? Like, what's your plan? When are you this or that? Like, I love it, man. I absolutely love it. I'm I I work with amazing people, people I love, people I care about, people I respect. The work I do, I absolutely love. You know, if I wake up at 5 a.m. in the morning because I have a client at 6 a.m., it doesn't feel like work. I'm excited Mm -hmm. for that to get in bed at eight o'clock, read for an hour, pray and then sleep. That's all natural for me, right? right? To to say no to whatever the party or the engagement is going to be on a Thursday or Friday night. It's easy for me, right? I'd, right. I'd, I'm more than happy to sit at home, read a textbook, watch something. Literally watch Uncle Paul on a Thursday night, which is the equivalent, <laughs> which is the equivalent of Western world's Friday night. Right. Right. So, you know, I I couldn't be more happy in, in Arabic or in Islam. We say Alhamdulillah, meaning thank God, mm. right? And so that that's, that's about as short as I can keep the journey thus far.
0: No, that's amazing, man. It's amazing. And, and one, I just want to say that I'm happy for you. Because when I hear your story, it reminds me a lot of my story in mm. many ways. And really resonating with this idea of like both of our careers, when we got started, it was like, really working on the physical, right? Mm-hmm. You were an athlete since you were young. I was an athlete since I was young. I played uh, American football all the way through mm-hmm. college. And even after that, I was really into keep lifting weights because I've been doing it since mm-hmm. I was 13 years old. I was mm-hmm. always into you know, helping other people get better with the weights and all of that. But then to your point, I realized that there was something missing both in myself first Mm-hmm. And then in the other people around me, the people that I was serving my clients, it was so interesting. I remember for me personally getting to a point where, you know, I'm working out six, seven days a week, but I don't feel great. All right. Mm-hmm. Like I have a lot of eggs. I've had five different surgeries, right? Two on each knee, one shoulder. I've had, um, you know, just the wear and tear of playing sports for a long time. Um, and I just remember how difficult that was. And it was so funny when clients started to come to me, and I still see this today. What I think is so interesting about the gym and people taking on the physical goals Mm. is that that's always where I find them starting. And I think Mm -hmm. they start there because it's the most tangible, right? Mm -hmm. You work out, you can feel a burn, right? Yes. You work out the next day, you might be a little bit sore and feel like you did something right you could see yourself getting stronger week to week you might see the number on the scale moving down or up depending on your goal so it's extremely tangible yeah yet the deeper reasons why most people work out and this included me as well was because there's something much more deeper at the soul level at the spirit level Mm -hmm. that was yearning for change and i think that's what opened the door for me to start to realize like okay The physical side, there's that part of it, right? Eventually, I got my food better, Mm -hmm. but once I changed the way I ate and I kept exercising, it like really opened up my mind to be like, damn, like, what else is out here? Mm -hmm. Because once I changed the way I ate, and to your point, got rid of all the processed foods, all the fast food, all the junk food, like barely any gluten at the time. I was pretty low carb. It was you know more high fat, high protein because I'm also a polar type. Yeah. Yeah. And Man, the weight just fell off of me, yeah. And that was really the only thing I wanted at the time, right? I weighed yeah. 200 and about 70 pounds when I finished uh, football and first started losing weight. I dropped like that first 10 to 15, got to 270, but then I was kind of stuck there for a while. And then mm. once I changed the way I ate, literally dropped down about almost 50 pounds in like eight months, just melted away. Wow. But but even bigger than the weight loss, it completely changed my personality. Mm -hmm. I was no longer irritable. I didn't feel like I needed a nap every single day. And I was just smiling a lot Mm -hmm. more. And that's what really started to open my eyes and say like, all right, what else is out there? And I started diving into the podcast as well. And to your point, Mm -hmm. stumbled into uh, Uncle Paul, I think on, I don't know if it was on like an Elliot Hulse video or if yeah, it was yeah. through Aubrey Marcus or something, but I stumbled across Paul check and I was like, this is it. This yeah. is the guy right here. And he's talking about the basics, just like you said, how important it is to sleep well, how important it is to manage stress, how important mm-hmm. it is to eat well, how important it is to move your body, how mm-hmm. important it is to take quiet time to simply reflect on mm-hmm. your own life and go within. And when I do that with my clients, Their entire world shifts. Yeah. But I think what's tough for people who haven't took this journey yet is that it's not sexy enough. Right? Mm -hmm. It's not sexy to get eight hours of sleep. It's not sexy to just clean up the diet. Right? Yeah. But what's what's sexy is saying like, hey, I just ran a marathon. Right? I just ran an Ironman. Right? Mm -hmm. Or I'm doing this very extreme thing. And I'm not to say any of those things are bad per se but it doesn't have to be swinging one side of the spectrum all the way to the other in order to get to the balance that you yeah. talk about. Yeah. And going back into that, how do you describe balance to the people that you come into contact with, whether it's clients, family, friends, people mm-hmm. that are asking you about balance? How does that look?
1: I love that. Balance is a, a fascinating topic for me. Uh, sometimes I think to myself, I'm a bit of an oddball because I'm so fascinated on this idea of balance, mm. right? So sometimes on, on social media, when I'm just posting stories, or I'm trying to just put the word out there for people. I often try break it down into short equations, right? And I always I always have this as health equals balance, mm. right? Balance is healthy. But when I think of it in a slightly more slightly, slightly more in depth without wanting to go too far into it, balance is a constant series of iterations, right? If I'm in balance right now, physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, and then I go live my life and have a day, which is what everyone has to go through, right? I'm going to bump into something that's going to knock me off balance, whether it's physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual and then I need to make that iteration, I need to make that adjustment. Right. And sometimes, you know, maybe it's just someone that's hooting their car at me, or I'm hooting at someone else. And it's just a bit of a mental emotional rage. And I just need to get home and take a few breaths, get into the parasympathetic, move past that, you know, continue with my day. Mm -hmm. Other times, it's a phone call saying your aunt has cancer, Mm -hmm. right? Other times it's it's a completely different thing where it seems and feels like the world's going to fall down. Right. But I'm a big believer that if we can, if we can manage the small bits and pieces and we can manage those constant Daily iterations and adjustments, when that big mountain shows up, you know, you're going to have you're going to have the momentum, but you're going to be so much more prepared to manage that big situation, which if you were not in that balanced environment, that big one is going to knock you way off. Mm -hmm. Right? Like if I think to myself, if I'm playing baseball and I'm seeing a lot of pitches come at me, I was an outfielder and towards the end of my career, I think I was a decent batter. I used to bat. What, what is number four is called? Cleanup, right?
0: Cleanup. Yeah. Mm
1: -hmm. (laughs) I had a stint at, I had a stint at cleanup but anyways it's like if you're seeing a lot of pitches come at you and all of a sudden you get a slider you can deal with it right but if you okay. just show up one day and the guy throws you a nasty curveball you're like what what, right. what was that you know what i mean and you're like you're like a deer in the headlights man so for me balance is all about those constant small iterations but that gives me the ability to manage and handle whatever life is gonna throw at me, whether it's small, medium or large, short, medium or long-term. Woo,
0: a lot of fire there, Gareth, I love that. I mean, first of all, your your idea of balance, of how health equals balance is Mm -hmm. spot on to me. And I love this definition of balance where you talk about how it's a constant series of iterations, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. meaning that as we're living life, each and every single moment balance is being challenged, right? Mm -hmm. Life is giving you hard situations. Life might be giving you some easy, positive situations. But overall, it's understanding that there's constant work that we get to be doing in order to stay in Mm -hmm. balance. Mm -hmm. And something that I loved what you said when you're talking about your different examples there, how with balance, when I'm constantly working on it, and I'm being intentional about it,
1: mm-hmm.
0: that's what gives me the tools to handle adversity mm-hmm. when it inevitably comes up in the future, right? 100%. Because to your point, life is always happening. And it's yeah. to me, it's not so much, what is this hard situation that life is bringing me, but more so, what can I do mm-hmm. with the situation at hand? And yeah. I'm a firm believer of controlling what I can control and completely letting go what I can, right? So when you talk about the example of, you know, just hitting some hard adversity, like even myself, my, my uncle, so my mom's brother mm-hmm. got a cancer diagnosis like four months ago. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it was uh it was one of those things where for me it's shocking because it's somebody I, I love dearly that mm-hmm. is getting getting hit with this thing. And at the same time, there's the part of me that realizes, like, well, I can see how this thing came about based off of the lifestyle that my Mm -hmm. uncle was living, right? Mm -hmm. And it's just hard, like, for me to be able to reconcile both sides of that, of like, hey, I love this person so much. And all right, this is the situation at hand. This is where we're at. Because I do so much to keep balancing my own health through my Mm -hmm. own lifestyle, it allows me to have the space to internalize what's going on and work with my own energy and emotions so that I can be there powerfully for my cousin, right? For my grandmother, for other people in the family, because I see how hard it is to be resilient Mm. when one has health challenges. And I've noticed for me, because I've been working on my health so long, it allows me to to be more resilient and still have the mental, emotional capacity to cry, to be sad, to yeah. to feel all of it, because the last thing I'll ever tell someone to do is to just shove their emotions down. I mean, I, yeah. I've been there, done that many a times in my life as a young yeah, man. Yeah. And you know, the the body keeps the score, right? Just like the book says, it's like the body holds on to all of that. So, to your point, being able to have these lifestyle practices where I'm constantly focusing on my sleep. I'm constantly either working out or working in, which for those of you listening, working in is simply doing movements that bring energy back to the body, as opposed Mm -hmm. to expending it in a workout. Because I eat well, because I live out my dream daily. I'm in a spot where I can truly be there for others. Mm -hmm. And I would imagine it's like that in your life too. And I loved when you said, how important it is for you to be a positive impact or to be a positive person in other people's lives. Mm. And I'm curious for you, since you've been in Saudi Arabia now these last six years, how have you noticed your social health change Mm. based off of you working on yourself and the type of people that you surround yourself with that are very accepting of you maybe staying in on a Thursday night or on a weekend mm-hmm. night, as opposed to, you know, maybe feeling offended that you're not going out with them.
1: Yeah. That's an interesting one, Albie, because really I did grow up as, I grew up as an introvert and I'd say I am still an introvert, but I've, I've come to learn that again, we need to have a balance, right? And some of my close friends will say, no, he's not an introvert. He's a madman. <laughs> but, <laughs> um, Yeah, for the most part, I I definitely feel that my social environment in Saudi Arabia has positively contributed towards my evolution, right? The the circle is much bigger than what I grew up with, right? And that's mainly because here there's a huge emphasis on family. In Saudi Arabia and in Islam, there's a massive emphasis on family. People are always helping their family, right? in the Western world, which you and I exist in, it's like, I don't know any third cousins, I really don't. Mm. In this country, people know like fourth and fifth cousins, people wow. know like in laws from three generations ago, people, you know, it's it's mm. so family orientated. And so I've adopted a huge amount of of that. And taken that over to my family, my small inner circle and try to push that love and that positive energy to radiate within my family, and I do feel that it's worked. there, there's obviously always challenges there's always road bumps. But within myself, I think I've become so much more comfortable just to Mm -hmm. speak out. I mean, just something like a podcast, to be honest, even just to reach out to you on Instagram, like you and I've been for the last year and some change, Mm -hmm. that would have been a stretch for me. Mm -hmm. Right? Now, I feel like it's my duty. And it's my responsibility. I love Putting myself out there to help people. So my I would say that my social health has, it's improved as much as my overall health has. Right? Physically, I was, I wasn't in a great place. And thankfully, now I'm in a much, much better place. Socially, I was always happy to be a kid that was not like awkward, but just I was happy to stand on the side and not be in the middle and not be in the center. And Mm -hmm. to this day, I'm not really chasing the center. I'm not really chasing the attention. But I'm more than happy to meet someone right that I've never known before and have an in depth conversation and get to know that person and share things about myself and let them share about themselves. Um, And I do I do believe and I do feel that being a health practitioner is a big contributor towards this as well. Right. If, if you are just good in the gym and just good with the physical, you're lacking and you're imbalanced with the social. Right. right. So you need to cultivate this this balance where you're able to give 25 percent of yourself to the physical, 25 to the mental, 25 to the emotional, 25 to the spiritual. Right. Absolutely. And as I've as I've contributed so much more because I would say I was like kind of like 50% in the physical and the rest were just kind of scrappy. Maybe I was in more than 50%. Now I wouldn't say I'm a perfect 25 across the board, but I know that that's what I'm working towards. Right. And I know that as I give more to the spiritual, which never had much before, man, it fills everything else up to be so much better. Absolutely. So I. I'm, I'm very grateful, man. My social health has it's evolved as I've evolved.
0: And I think it makes sense. I, I resonate with that so much, and especially to the point where you talk about how you're so willing to have an in-depth conversation mm. with somebody. And what I found in my experience, especially these last, I don't know, six, seven years, I have conversations with people that they probably haven't had in their entire adult life you're right do you have those as well where it's like 100 percent. i'm so genuinely curious about what's going on in their life like hey what's exciting for you right now or like we're getting into it we're talking about challenges and like what they're working on overcoming or anything whatever it could be yeah but they're always conversations that are deeper than the surface level and i yeah and i think so many people right now, they're so used to these surface level conversations Mm -hmm. that the minute I go deeper than that and genuinely show interest in what's going on in their life, what they're excited about, what they're passionate about, what they don't like, things of this nature, it actually goes back to like our deep tribal Mm -hmm. yearning of like being deep with each other Mm -hmm. and and really understanding, getting to know each other. And my, um, My fiance, she makes fun of me all the time because she says I have so many friends, and which I do. I'm very blessed. I have a lot of friends. And I think the reason why I have so many friends is because I connect deeply with the Mm -hmm. people that I meet. And if they're a great person and I'm a great person, we're going to find the time to have conversations, Mm -hmm. go hang out, get a coffee, a bite to eat, whatever it is. So, you know, I I definitely feel that aspect of it. Mm -hmm. And something that I think is interesting for me, too, is that you know, you talk about over there in Saudi Arabia, how big family is. Mm-hmm. And for me, I guess I would be an example of the you know more typical Western person where like my family isn't like super close, right? Mm-hmm. Like now I'm much closer with my uncles after my mom passed away, right? Mm-hmm. My, my cousins and I were, were pretty close. Some I'm more closer to than others. But it's, it's so fascinating how I have on my dad's side of the family, you know, my, my dad and I've always had this relationship where we always understood each other, mm. but we both have those like introverted qualities mm. where, you know, he can easily not say something, I can easily not say something, and there's still a bunch of love between us, mm-hmm. right? And then there's people on my dad's side of the family where like I just barely ever like speak to them versus my friendships, like I have so many friendships where those feel like my family. And when I say they feel like family, it's because we're so close and we share so much and we have so many things in common that we we love, that there's always something to build upon. And I just think it can be so interesting how some people can be really close with their family, some people can be really close with their friends. But -hmm. what I think is tragic is when A person doesn't have anyone close to them Mm -hmm. and and that's where i think a lot of people today are you know experiencing a lot of depression and anxiety and all Mm -hmm. the other things simply because they're missing that social interaction or those close meaningful relationships Mm -hmm. and if i was to go even deeper than that a lot of times it's because they're missing a deeper relationship with their self Mm
1: -hmm.
0: and with spirit Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. And I would love to know how your spirituality has grown since you've been in Saudi Arabia. And I know you've been picking a lot up from that culture. Mm. So I would love to kind of hear about your spiritual growth, what it looked like before and what you've done to make it grow into how it looks now.
1: LV, this is a a topic which is so close to my heart, honestly and truthfully. So I I was raised, as a Christian, in a Christian household, but in no way, shape, or form were we practicing Christianity. Um, and I, I wouldn't say that was out of any bad taste. It was just not many people were, right? So I'm very, very thankful, so thankful. My father, at a young age, I think I took more interest than my sister, I only have one sibling. I think I took more interest in her in the idea of god right and my father always taught me there is one god right there is an overarching power and a spirit and we'd have these these long drives where i would i was just very naive to it all but i was i felt i always felt that there was a god i always felt that there was a higher power you know i've seen miracles before my eyes i've seen people cure cancer without medicine i've you know that's that's all come before me and i'm i'm so grateful for that because even though and i i don't mean that as any offense to christianity or christians but i i've tried to pick up the bible multiple times in my life and i've never had a very deep connection with it it's always been a struggle just to get from one page to the next and that honestly i'm not happy to say that i'm not proud to say that but that that's the truth of what i experienced right and as I came to Saudi Arabia, really my relationship with God or with spirit was just I was aware of it and I had fear for it and I respected it. But I, there was nothing in depth at all. Right. And you jump into this country, which is it's completely Islamic. Right. Mm-hmm. You cannot be a Saudi if you're not a Muslim. Right. Mm-hmm. So all the values are Islamic, a lot of the law correlates with Islamic law, right? And you jump into an environment which is complete 360, or you would think a complete 360 from what Christianity is. And, you know, the same way I've been constantly sponging and learning from mentors around me and from information like Paul Chick and so mm-hmm. forth right? I started looking at this and I started learning. And at first, I was just learning, you know, there's a lot of wealthy people, and they are all very good at investing. So I kind of followed that path for a bit, got much better at that. But then you want to say you go from that surface level to that deeper level, I started observing people in their daily habits, right? Mm -hmm. And they were generous, and they were loving. And I'm talking about a married couple that's been together for maybe 50 years, right? And I started to see and learn what true love was, mm. right? And that was that was not from anyone forcing Islam down my throat. That was from me seeing with my own two eyes and for me feeling that love and that energy. Right. And people being so generous people in, in Islam, there's so much reference to God, to Allah, just in conversation. Right. Whereas in Christianity or in English, it's not that prevalent at all. Mm. So there's just so much more God in your life and so much more spirit in your life that you almost can't help but notice it. But for myself personally, I remember one day it was in the month of Ramadan, which is actually approaching quite soon now. Mm. And that's going to be an incredible time. But I remember someone gave me a Quran which to me is no, that's no light feat, right? If you're going to give someone the word of God in in your culture and in your perspective, that's, that's a very big thing. And so the very first time I read the Quran, I think I read for four hours, right? Like I couldn't put it down and I had a highlighter and I was taking notes and dog ears and everything, right? And I think I read the Quran for 28 days straight, which is the month of Ramadan and I completed Mm -hmm. it. And at that point, I wasn't reading it like, okay, I want to become a Muslim. At that point, I was just reading, like, what's in here? What is it that these people have taken so much from in their lives? Right. And I remember finishing it. And I I simply concluded I don't disagree. Like, Mm. I'm agreeing with what's in here. Right. And I I also I felt like I related because my mother and my father and the, the small family I do have in South Africa, they've always had these good values and these good morals. Right. And not that anyone ever recited the Bible, but, you know, my father would say to me, do unto others as you want done unto yourself. Right. Mm -hmm. And the exact same thing is in the Quran. Hmm. Right. So that was that was really that was the lead domino for sure. And as time went on and I would read more and then I would see more and I would observe, why are you doing this? What's that? You know, I basically I was just observing people being loving. Right. People helping poor people, people helping me when I needed help. So as that all kind of started to steamroll, I started to become more curious and ask more questions. Right. Islam is, I want to say incorrectly, it is steeped as human rights violations against women right and i've read things in the quran and i stopped and i thought to myself what is this about and i can see how that might be uh misconstructed or misinterpreted and i would go to someone thankfully i have that type of relationship with these people but i would go to someone and say listen i want to know more what is this right and it turns out every single time i had something that i was unsure about islam is really protecting women and Islam is helping women. And that Mm. is the basis of it. So then this starts to steamroll a bit more. And this, this was like a four year, four and a half year process for me to eventually become a Muslim, which uh, it was just three months ago, three and a bit months ago Mm -hmm. that I reverted to Islam and I accepted Islam completely in my life. And I want to say since then, you know, not having that spiritual element in my life growing up, kind of just knowing that there is something to do with God. But now I it's it might sound pretty woo, -woo, but you and I get along on that stuff. But Mm -hmm. I can feel God. Like last year when Ramadan finished, my intention was to come closer to God to a greater spirit. And at the end of that month, I had energy radiating throughout me physically, mentally, emotionally, that I never had before. Mm. Right. And at that point, it was like, okay, you need to, everything in me was saying you need to get more information here, because Mm. it all felt right. And as time went on, spending a lot of time with myself, continuing to read the Quran, continuing to speak to people. It really, I want to say it really now steamrolled to the point where I knew, okay, I'm going to become a muslim right and even as i say that now i'm looking at my body i get goosebumps Mm. right and so it just came to a day where one of one of my bosses i i'm so privileged to work with him and his entire family really he's like an uncle whatever Mm. he says i'm gonna do it immediately and his father's like a grandfather and his mother's like a grandmother um and i asked him for his blessings to to ask his parents if they can help me in my conversion, because his parents were the people that are most responsible for me becoming a Muslim, I, wow. I learned to be a Muslim by watching them, mm. right, just in their daily life, not in them saying you should do this, and you should do that. Right. And I remember I walked in. And I first spoke to his father. And I said, you know, I want you to teach me how to pray. And his father is kind of like a gruff voice. And I, <laughs> I remember that day, he like, he was like a child. He's like, oh, that's wonderful. Right. <laughs> he I, like, he couldn't have been more happy, you know, and mm-hmm. he's, he's the epitome of what a man really should be. I honestly, mm-hmm. I don't say that with any flattery, but he, he was so happy. He taught me immediately. Right. And obviously it took me some more time to learn. And then his, his wife, she came down. And she's just incredible. Like anyone who meets this woman will know that God is in this woman. You know what Mm, I mean? Um, And I remember I just said to her, I said, please, I want you to teach me about Islam. And for the next 45 minutes, she was crying and I was crying and we were laughing. And she tell me a story about her late brother. And then we were crying and we needed tissues and and from from there on i i knew that this was with 100 certainty this is what i wanted to do this is what i wanted to become and i as a person want to embody the goodness of islam i want to carry the, the the message of islam which is love which is peace right the exact word lv so you might not know this but when someone reverts to become a muslim Mm-hmm. It's, it's very common that they would choose a name for themselves, a okay. Muslim name, mm-hmm. right? And I, I remember thinking about it a little bit, thinking, do I need to do it, don't I need to, and there's, there's, it's not forced. And I was thinking through certain names, my name starts with G, I was trying to find something with G. And. I didn't get to anything that I really loved and resonated with G. The closest I got to was Jibril, which is an angel but in Arabic it's actually spelled with a J. Obviously in English it's it's Gabriel. Mm-hmm. Right? And so I I sat down and I thought about it and what I concluded is that my name is Islam. Right? Mm. Now some people might think that's a bit weird, but I mean if you follow MMA you'll know Islam Makhachev. Uh-huh. That's that's a normal name, right? Yeah. So I yeah I was I'm extremely pleased I'm extremely proud to have the name Islam and mm. the reason I bring that up is because within the word Islam the root word is salam so the word salam means peace mm. so the 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 embodiment of Islam is really to be peace and to be love mm. right and I could go so much in more in depth about that um, with regards to the Prophet Muhammad peace be upon upon him um, but really I, I realize that Islam is truly about peace and Islam is about love um, you mentioned something earlier and you said it's about having that intention in Islam this is a huge thing right we, we say what is your near your what is your intention right mm. and I carry that with me everywhere that I go. Right. I'm going to do something, whatever it is, I always think, what is my intention attached to this? Mm. right? And then the other massive part on Islam, because I mean, I could go on for hours, but the other massive part, I remember speaking to a, a mentor of mine, a senior client, and I, I asked him, you know, what, what's the most important thing? How do you think about Islam? And mm. he said to me, it, it all comes down to akhlaq. Now, akhlaq is really referring to your mannerisms. Right. And that is how you treat people, not just how you treat the people around you, but how do you treat someone that's below you? Mm. Right. And not only how do you treat other human beings, but how do you treat things? How do you treat animals? How do you treat plants? How do you treat yourself? Right. Right. And for me, that intention and those mannerisms, that for me is that gives me so much comfort. And I know that as long as I continue to have loving intentions in myself and that i continue to treat people with love and do my best to spread love then i know that i'm doing my part as a muslim and that honestly it it helps me sleep at night it really does um believe it so that that's that's been the journey man and honestly i'm i'm in my infancy you know if a child is Mm. three and a bit months old you don't expect them to know anything right Right. becoming becoming a Muslim. I I had doubts within myself thinking, I don't know how to pray correctly. I don't know how to do all of these things. Uh, I can't recite the Quran from start to finish. I'm not very good with a lot of these things. I'm not even fully proficient in Arabic, right? Mm. And the Quran itself is in Arabic. But I had this moment where I realized it's a lifelong journey, right? No matter what you're doing and I think when I had that, there was a huge weight off my shoulders. Now, okay, you can become a Muslim, however and whatever you are in this present moment, you can become a Muslim, right? And from there on, you you make a commitment. And this is a responsibility to be better, to spread love, to give love, to receive love, and that's been it, man. It's been incredible.
0: That's amazing. I mean, that's such a a heartwarming journey and story. And I could literally feel you as you're saying (laughs) all of it. And there's so many different things that came up for me. But one of the first things that really stuck out is how you talk about that. It was never forced upon you. Mm. Right. Whereas one of these things where through you living your life and being attentive to what's going on around you, Mm -hmm. you noticed so many of the people that you respect, love and care for act in such a particular way mm. that was beautiful and attractive to you. Mm. And that's what sparked that curiosity, yeah. right? And and I think from what I know about you, you're you're a naturally curious person, right? Absolutely. And if you see, yeah, and if you see through this lens of curiosity, something that you think could be of extreme benefit just to you as a being, you're, you're going to mm. naturally go and learn more. And another thing that I heard in what you were saying is that in islam it seems like there's such reverence Mm. for elders in that community and i think that's something yeah i think that's something that we're missing so much in the west where here i'll just speak on my experience here in the u.s so many you know senior people or old people are really just casted to the side yeah they're kind of just seen as like this inconvenience Whether, you know, we see an old person driving and they're driving too slow or they're getting whatever it is, we don't have that reverence for older people like I guess we used to or like we could. And I think that's why we're missing so much wisdom. Mm -hmm. I mean, these people Mm -hmm. have lived such long, full lives that they're going to be able to tell us and help us in the situations that we're going through because they've already experienced yeah. their, their version of it. 100%. And Yeah, and I think something, how you talked about your 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 mentors. It was your mentor's father, so he's almost like a grandfather to you, right? Is that how you, yeah, he's, you explain it?
1: If he phones me and he needs something, immediately I'll put down whatever I'm doing. I'll mm-hmm. sacrifice my sleep. I'm going to do what he's going to tell me to do.
0: I love that. I love that. And what I think is so important about that is that it shows – on his side too like we talk about how he has this you know typically Mm a certain deeper Mm -hmm. type of voice and then he got so giddy when you asked him if you could if he could teach you how to pray i think that goes to show too what older generations they they really want to help the younger generation and and i think there's such a beautiful relationship that can be there that can go both ways and and i'm really happy to hear how it shows up in islamic culture which yes. is absolutely beautiful. And How then again it? too, just this reverence there is for everything, whether it's yeah. for people, whether it's for animals, whether it's for plants, whether it's with mm-hmm. yourself, there's mm-hmm. this reverence and this respect and love and peace that's mm-hmm. brought to everything, what I think is just absolutely incredible. And I'm actually interested in in finding a, you know, English version of the Quran and, and reading yeah. through and, and seeing what's in there because it's it's interesting. I'll send you like, something.
1: I'll send you oh, something. That's on I me. I love that. That's oh my me.
0: God, I would love that. I appreciate yeah. that 100%. I get because, goosebumps right now. Oh no, I appreciate that so much, man. That's such love. Because, you know, I think about my relationship with God and I definitely do believe there is a, a supreme being out mm-hmm. there. And in my own, just these are just my own estimations and my own thoughts and opinions. But I really feel like the majority of religions are referring to the same. Mm -hmm. being entity Mm -hmm. right it's just that maybe each one calls it something different but i really do truly believe that it is that one thing that all of the religions or majority religions that have that supreme deity are referring to it's just all right how does our culture express how Mm -hmm. we um, interpret that being to be and man when you talk about how you finished ramadan Mm. and you could feel God within you, the spirit within you. I mean, that's one of my favorite things that I've ever heard Paul say is how he talks about God. And he says that, you know, we have this idea that to be made in God's image means that God is this person with two eyes, two ears, a nose, Mm -hmm. a mouth. And, you know, we look like him Mm -hmm. when in his estimation. And this is what I believe. If God is the creator the Mm -hmm. ultimate creator, then we as humans are the individual creators, right? And the the way that God gets to experience itself is through all of the many creations that us Mm -hmm. as humans and the animals, the plants, everything put out forth and manifest in the world. And I I truly do believe that to be it. And growing Mm -hmm. up, I was never religious. It was this thing where, my mom's side of the family is Ashkenazi Jewish, so, you know, culturally okay. Jewish. And yes. then on my dad's side of the family, they were Catholic. But it was one of those wow. things similar to to your experience where, like, we didn't really celebrate anything or we didn't have, we didn't go to, you know, church to, to learn or we didn't go to, I didn't go to temple or have a bar mitzvah mm-hmm. uh, when I was young or anything like that. And, um, you know, I only looked at religion as like, okay, we have Christmas presents coming on the mm-hmm. 25th, Right. You know, we're going to have a week off of school during Easter. Like that, mm-hmm. that's really all I looked at things. <laughs> yeah. But but now to grow up and to have this, I will call it like a, a spiritual awakening mm-hmm. where it's like, I understand that God runs within me and mm-hmm. with, within everybody mm-hmm. and that we're never alone, even never. when we feel like we're by ourselves, we are never actually alone.
1: I got something for you, Ovi. Uh, Two points I want to make, and these these are things that I feel so strongly about. The first one, you just said, we're never alone. So in Islam, there are what's referred to as dimensions, at least that's how I'm going to term it. But the first dimension of Islam, and the word Islam means to surrender to God, right? Mm -hmm. So the first dimension of Islam is Islam, to surrender to God. The second dimension is what we say is Iman, right? Iman is your faith in God, right? And then the third dimension, the absolute highest, and this is something I aspire to, and I I believe I have the privilege of knowing a few people who have this, is what we call Ikhsan, right? And in in English, I I might translate that as integrity, right? But the idea of Ikhsan is to live your life as if God was always with you. Right. Mm. So wherever I go right now, I'm sitting in a room alone, I'm with you, but I should conduct myself as if God is sitting right here with me. Right. Mm. And if if you really think about it, if you have any reverence and respect and fear for God, for Allah, you would never step out of line, right, you'd Mm. never want to step out of line, you'd always want to be on the straight path. right? Right. So I love that because even if he's not literally, even if he isn't, I can't see him sitting here with me. He sees me. He knows what's going on. He knows what's in my head. He knows what's in my heart. And sometimes that gives me a huge amount of comfort. But sometimes if I'm stepping on the line and I'm doing something that might be questionable, it also makes me stop and think, hang on, Gareth, like maybe you shouldn't be doing this, right? Mm. So that, that idea of Ihsan and just that integrity, right? Doing the right thing when no one's watching. Right. That, for me, is a, that's a cornerstone of comfort that, again, that helps me sleep at night. That helps me contribute positively to people around me. Uh, and the second thing, Alvia, I want to say is I, I don't sense this from you. But unfortunately, in the world we live in, religion is almost it's opposed as me versus you, us against them. Mm, right. right? And this is something I'm, I'm very, very, very strongly against. Right. If I'm a Muslim and I represent peace and I represent love and a Christian brother comes up to me, most of my family is Christian. Most of the people I know are Christians. Right. I'm going to give that person love and I'm going to help that person and how I can help them. And if they're going to follow their Christian values, right, because I was brought up in that society, if they're going to follow their Christian values, they're going to give the same back to me. And the exact same applies for a Jew. Right. I have mm-hmm. the Torah in my house right next to the Quran. Right. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing in there that talks about war. There's nothing in there that talks about fighting and hurting people. Right. right. And the same goes for the Bible. The same goes for Bhagavad Gita. Mm-hmm. Right. I have a, a dear friend that our conversation used to be about business and the markets and assets and that sort of stuff. And in recent times in, in my acceptance of Islam, he's a Hindu right and so we've started our tr- our conversation has transcended and we find ourselves speaking for an hour or two right and we could probably go longer and for the most part we're just agreeing with each other and we're just noticing the parallels with one another mm-hmm. right sure it comes across in a different language sure it comes across in a different culture but ultimately and I'll I'll conclude with this when i converted the sheikh Official who witnessed my conversion, he's written some incredible books. His name is Dr. Sadiq Malki, right? And he's written a short book, 25 pages or so, called The Globalization of Faith. And if I can simply describe, and you can picture this, there is multiple roads leading to one point, right? And Mm -hmm. one road is Islam, and one road is Hinduism, and one road is Christianity, and one road is Judaism, and one road is Sikhism you know all the the bits and pieces uh buddhism of course and it's all leading to the same place right um and so i share that because a lot of people are dogmatic and i want to say in in a bit of a, a box with the idea of religion but okay. from for me coming back to the idea of akhlaq religion is your mannerism religion is right. how you treat people religion is what's in your heart
0: right I love that. Yeah, I love that. I mean, it's a beautiful thing, man. It's like, I think religion and just my perception of what I see around me, oftentimes, and how you alluded to just now, it can be very divisive. It can be mm-hmm. this tool where it's it's us versus them. It's mm-hmm. the othering of people, and you know, I, I've heard and we've seen in history all of these different wars that have been in the name of religion or God or Allah or whatever it may be. Yeah. And it's just one of those things where I believe it can always come from the place of peace and love, and, and that's where spirit will always lead us to. I think it's when we get into our own minds, our own interpretations of, you know, almost using it as a, almost as a weapon or as an excuse to do certain things in the name of this thing that is, you know, bigger than the self. Mm-hmm. But again it's just it's just misguided energy it, mm-hmm. it's not being used in the way that it was intended to And to me I, I simply look at that as a part of human nature where as humans you know there's we have free will at least that's my, my opinion and there's always going to be I won't say always but oftentimes there's gonna be bad actors within any type of system, any type of group, any type of mm-hmm. tribe religion, whatever it may be but that one bad actor or that small group of bad actors doesn't define the entirety of the group, the religion, the society, whatever it may be. And I think that's very apparent in what we see today. I'll just speak on in the US where, you know, the political climate is crazy over here right now, where it's like, if you're on the left, you have all of these specific beliefs. And if you don't agree with every single one, you're getting kicked out of the group. Mm -hmm. And then same thing on the other side, on the right, they have all of these you know, beliefs of Mm -hmm. what things are supposed to be. And you have to agree with all of them. And if you don't agree with one, you get kicked out. Right? And oftentimes, at least how I perceive it, it's the loudest voices that get the most airtime or they get the most eyes on them or that get read about. So people perceive that, oh, these are the things that are really going on this side versus this side. Where in reality it is my belief that the majority of us are somewhere in the middle right yeah we're all we're all there and we're all unique and our our goals are going to be different um what's important to us is going to be different but at the end of the day if we could always come back to this place of peace love mm-hmm. integrity treating other people how you want to be treated and being able to have compassion for others and understanding that, hey, some people just don't understand some things. That's okay. And yeah. like, you know, we're all part of the human race and we're, we're all at our core looking for the same things, I believe. I agree. And and if we can come from that lens, I mean, I think that's what makes the world a better place. And I love that your spirituality and your your journey, your, your infant journey so far mm-hmm. in Islam has brought you to this place where it's just up leveled you even more and in every it's put way, you shape in a position, yeah, in every way, shape, and form, being able to help people. So, you know, I, I think you're you're a gift to this world, and uh, I'm very honored to have you on the show. And I really appreciate everything that you're doing. I, I love seeing it on Instagram. And if there's anything I could ever do to support you, never hesitate to
1: let me know brother it goes both ways it really goes both ways i remember i think i came across you on one of the czech institute stories and you were just walking along and you're like there'll be times in life there'll be times when your speed walking journey is a lot like life and i was immediately i was like yeah 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 this guy (laughs) right and then you you were going on about it and i was like yeah man and then i clicked on and i looked in a bit deeper and i was like okay i'm following this guy and then it wasn't long and then i would give you a thumbs up you would give me a thumbs up and just a few bits and pieces back and forth. But I mean, it's easy to find your tribe, man, when when you know your why, when you know, when you're clear on your dream. I mean, you're you're in America. I'm in Saudi Arabia, I come from South Africa, I'm white, you're not white. Like, in so many ways, you and I should not be friends, you and I should not be on the same page. But I look at you and I think to you, man, if there's anything I can do to help, tell me, I'm here to help. And I also look at you putting out the good word of health in its holistic sense and in the holistic format, and I'm thinking we need 10,000 more of you, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Be- because if we if we just had one more of you, the world would be a better place.
0: Mm, I feel that. I feel that so much. I appreciate that, and let's continue to build each other up, man. And, and for everyone else that's listening out there, if if health is important to you, and there's even one thing that you can do to help someone else in their health journey stick your hand out and just be Mm -hmm. be willing to help. And whether that other person takes your hand or not, you know, that's not what matters. But it's just that you gave the opportunity and you gave that person the dignity to say yes or no to your help. And for all of the uh, students in the Czech Academy, Gareth and I were both in year three right now in the same path. And uh, man, it's so important for for the guys and girls out there to continue to put out the content, continue Mm -hmm. to lead by example, right, Mm -hmm. live the life of health, and find balance, whatever that looks like for you. And I think Gareth gave us a lot to think about here as it pertains to balance and understanding that even that is a lifelong journey in itself. Gareth, where can all the people find you online?
1: Alvi, I'm not the biggest on the socials, but Instagram's that's the most common one, at Gareth Grundling and i do have facebook but i'm, I'm very inactive so I, I wouldn't even suggest reaching out to me there yeah. but if you hit me on instagram i'll get back to you for sure
0: perfect perfect and you got a website as well right
1: yeah we have a website healthy human that's i'm trying to embody what a healthy human is and i'm trying to help other human beings become healthy humans so sometimes you just hear me saying stay healthy humans and I it's a little that. bit of a play on words <laughs> it works uh-huh. out well i'm very happy i got to get that um That website or that domain. So yeah, you'll see my website on the Instagram. Any way I can help, I will. And I'm I'm just constantly looking to expand and grow. I want to be amongst the best in the world to be able to help people. I know that I still have a long way to go, but I know with people like you around, with people like Uncle Paul, with institutes like the Czech Academy, and so many others, you know, good companies out there, Symbiotica, Bio Optimizers, etc., etc. Man. There is hope. The world is going in a, in a good place, I believe, Absolutely. inshallah.
0: Yeah, I believe that too. The, the world is a lot better than um, you know mainstream media might, per, might try to say it is. So I 100%, 100% believe
1: that. 100% correct.
0: Uh, love it. Gareth, I love you, brother. Thank you so much for your time. And I can't wait to do this again.
1: I, be, I love you too, brother. And one more thing, all my love, all my best regards to you and your family, and in particular to your uncle with cancer mm. i have an aunt that. that's also in the midst of some cancer at the moment mm. so all my love and all my prayers to you brother
0: i uh, appreciate that so much and same thing to to you and your aunt, my brother
1: much appreciated Elvi take care champ. you too brother